Welcome, one and all, to another episode of the Close Encounters of the Nerdkind Podcast. My name's Imran, TJ Sutherland, Dan Colacott, with new episodes released on the first and third Mondays of the month. Catch Close Encounters of the Nerdkind Podcast at foreverinelectricdreams.com. How's it going, everybody? Um, welcome to the Close Encounters of the Nerdkind Podcast. Uh, I am your beautiful host, TJ Sutherland. And as always, I'm joined by uh, the Brothers of Destruction, Mr. Imran Mirza. <laughs> Hello. And Daniel Collicott. Hello. Wh- which, who is who? <laughs> um, I mean, obviously, Imran is Kane. Hello, oh, and you've wow. described yourself as the beautiful one, and I'm the horrifically burnt, <laughs> scarred in a fire. No, I, well, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm actually Paul Bearer in this, uh, in this equation. So. <laughs> Um, so uh in case you're wondering uh dear listeners we are focusing on wrestling again (laughs) for this episode so um subtle hint i know right um so for today uh we're going to be discussing um one of it's quite a not really a well-known uh name in the world of um wrestling professional wrestling uh slash combat sports um a dude by the name of phil brooks you guys heard of him um he goes by another (laughs) name as well apparently um of course we're talking about the um incomparable cm punk um who has had quite a career um in professional wrestling um i won't go into all of his background. Uh, he obviously started off in the Indies and then was in WWE for for quite a while, um, up until about 2014. Um, left WWE uh, for a variety of reasons: bad management, injuries, was just fed up with the company, um, and uh, we didn't really see much of him for about seven years, um, especially in the world of professional wrestling. Um, and then, uh, he debuted for, uh, AEW in August of 2021 in Chicago, of all places, um, to, uh, thunderous applause and cheers and babies were crying and it was all, it was all very emotional. Um, <laughs> on, is, is babies crying a good thing? Uh, I don't know. Yes and no, I guess. Well, I don't know. Um, just go with it. Um, so, uh, during his time at AEW, he, uh, won the world title, um, twice. In fact, uh, he beat Adam Page for it in May 2022. Um, had to relinquish it due to an injury that he sustained during that match. Um, when he came back, he won the title back off of, uh, John Moxley, I believe it was. Um, for the second time, and uh, during that match, he actually injured himself again, weirdly. Um, but also during that, or after that match, uh, at All Out in September 2022, he had a infamous um, media scrum um, promo where he basically tore into the uh, executive vice presidents, I think the yeah, EVPs of the company who also happened to be um the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega talking about how they were spreading rumors about him and causing disruption, yada yada yada, a lot of stuff that he went totally off script with. Um and after that there was a whole brawl that happened backstage, so a bunch of people got suspended. 
a lot of bad blood going around the locker room. Um, came back from that nine months later, um, one, when AEW premiered their new show, Collision, uh, which he was going to be the main star of. There was a kind of soft roster split. So the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega were going to be on Dynamite and Punk was going to be predominantly on Collision and they weren't going to really interact too much. And then finally at All In in August of 2023, Punk uh, got involved in another backstage brawl, this time with uh, a young Jack Perry. Um, they'd been having arguments and stuff prior to this uh, this brawl happening, but um, at that point, Tony Khan said enough's enough and uh, basically kicked him to the curb. So that's kind of a real brief summary of uh, Punk's time with... AEW. Um, and thank you for listening to the show. Good night. <laughs> <laughs> um, didn't he didn't he have some really bad altercations with Tony himself? Like there, yes. there were rumors, first of all, there were rumors that he was meant to get picked up, like I don't know, like chauffeured to the um to the event and he didn't. But I don't know. It, it was kind of reported that there was two or three times he he literally had a shouting match with Tony Khan and got in his face. Yeah, I think the, the I mean at all in the room. Well, there was uh, footage actually, so it wasn't a rumor. But um, yeah, apparently he got uh, really got in Tony's face and threatened him physically. And uh, Tony expressed that he was in fear of um, of his life, which seems quite dramatic, but. I mean, I don't know. I wasn't there, so and I haven't seen the footage. But um, yeah, he said he felt um, Punk had created an unsafe work environment for him and other people as well that worked that worked backstage. So um, I think that was predominantly the reason why he felt Punk had to go because of the violence towards not just not just the backstage wall, but what he was perpetrating against other people in the backstage area or how he threatened them or how he behaved around them. So yeah, that was a pretty bad way to operate in your, in your place of work, I guess. Um, So, I mean, dialing all the way back to, you know, when punk kind of first arrived or even the rumors started circulating about him um, potentially going to AEW, how did, um, you know, how did you guys feel about the return of punk obviously before all of this stuff kicked off do you you know were you excited were you wary were you you know obviously because he's got he had history at wwe and the history was that you know he was difficult to work with or some people said that he was difficult to work with a bit of an egomaniac that sort of thing how did you guys feel about him turning up to AEW and, and trying to make a difference what do you reckon dan so do you, do you mean the first time or the second time? The first time when he first so when he first arrived in, in um, August twenty one in Chicago. Right, um, I was over the moon. I was absolutely stoked um, to to see him in AEW. I was, yeah, it, it was really exciting because I think I caught some of his run in WWE. So, uh, but not not much of it, you know, so I feel like I kind of missed out. Um, I knew the hype. Um, I remember seeing quite a few, you know, obviously the pipe bomb promo and um, mm. 
I saw him wrestle quite a few times retrospectively before he came to AEW, and I kind of thought, you know, he, he's fantastic in the ring. He's got an incredible um, promo. You know, he his his whole shtick was quite cool, especially like there was it straight edge society where he was yeah. like a cult leader. Mm-hmm. I thought, you know, that was that was quite cool. He he had some really good ideas. So yeah, initially I, I was absolutely jacked for him to come into AEW, and I I really thought he he had the star power to elevate the brand. Um, yeah, so um, and and it kind of initially at least proved to be a huge positive. I mean, he he was such a draw, such a crowd pleaser, and you know he's. A little bit rusty at first, but his his matches were again, you know, he, he's technically his in ring skill set um, was was decent. You know, he was kind of up there with the likes of, um, you know, maybe not at the levels of of Kenny Omega, but he was kind of, I would say, in the top half of the the, the kind of in ring technicians, you know, the best. At AEW, so yeah, it was it was awesome at first. How about you, man? What were your thoughts when you first came in? Yeah, I mean, it's it's always interesting to consider him um, and sort of the impact that he had at that point. I mean, he I, and it's interesting because I I don't know how Punk did it, and it's really interesting to kind of I guess analyze his WWE run because whether it was just his general in-ring ability, his indie roots, his pipe bomb, you know, or the the world championship run that he went on, or or even just the explosive way that he ended up exiting WWE. There was he's he kind of consistently managed to create some kind of magic with the audience and to have not wrestled for seven years and for a good chunk of those years for the arenas to still chant CM Punk for as long as they did off, you know, following his departure. I mean, that that's, you know, he, he really did. And I don't want to use this. I don't think I'm using this term loosely, but he really became an icon. He made himself an icon. And it's kind of interesting to think how, like at what point did you, you know, to your credit, to, to his credit, to, achieve that so and even you know even with the what was a, you know a fairly unsuccessful um bid in ufc he never lost that audience really i think people was whatever disappointed or you know um well, they, they hoped he'd, he'd deliver more but he never really lost his audience and i think because of the heights that he achieved and just just in terms of his own myth his own legend i think the announcement that he was going to go to AEW, I yeah i was yeah 100 percent caught up in that excitement and that notion of i don't believe it until i see it you know like i, I need to see this before i can fully accept that this is happening and it yeah i mean it, it was it was amazing i think um uh, we'll get into this part a little more, obviously, later. But I, I think he ended up having that first year was, from a viewer perspective, it was as picture perfect as it could have been. Um, but to answer the other half of your question about being wary, I absolutely, 
in in no way, obviously, am I claiming to have predicted his horrific downfall or even his exit from the company. But I 100% expected an incident. He was 100% there was going to be a fallout. And I used to think it would be with management initially, um, but obviously it became with wrestlers first, with like with Hangman. Um, but I, I fully expected incident. I, I never would have thought it would have got to this scale. Um, but yes, I no part of me expected this to, to have been a smooth journey for him at all. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I um, I, you know, I, I was a huge punk fan. Um, loved his promos, loved his style in the ring. Um, just thought just everything about his character work, <clears throat> whether, um, excuse me, sorry, whether um, a heel or a face, you know, he, he could, the, it felt like he could do it all. And I felt like he got shortchanged quite a bit in WWE. Um, didn't really, you know, when you had people like Cena and, and that still around and the rock was still around that sort of time as well. So, I mean, from a business perspective, you can kind of see why he never really got pushed as the number one guy, even though he was champ for a long time. Um, but yeah, I feel like when he came into AEW, it was it felt like a, a fresh start, and uh, maybe call me a sucker or naive, but I thought that you know the stuff that went on at WWE was you know was purely down to Vince being Vince and you know being part of that big machine and coming into AEW, you know Tony's got a great relationship with all the wrestlers there and. Um, Coming in, you know, he's kind of the reason why he, he fell out with people in WWE was because he wasn't happy and because they didn't treat him right. And you know, in AEW, it's going to be the complete opposite. He's going to get treated right. He's going to get paid well. He's going to get looked after. He's going to be listened to. He's going to be pushed as the main guy. All the things that he wanted all along. I thought this is, you know, this is going to go. Uh, this should go um, pretty smoothly. But yeah, what a dickhead I am. <laughs> Well, I think that's if that's kind of the heart of I think this this entire conversation. I mean, with um, uh, uh, blah, 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 in a humorous way, um, we've we've dubbed this episode Daft Punk. But and and just like you've said, I think that that is is the heart of the conversation about who who is he in essence? Is he uh, what he would describe himself to be as the the perennial victim, the perennial martyr. Is he the hard done by guy who is just trying to carve uh, his path and make you know make a positive impact in the industry as he would describe himself, or is he the well, ultimately the self destructive narcissist who just mm. you know can't make this stuff work? You know who can't play well with others, who can't you know, uh, consider other people in, in, in the, these equations. And, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting to see who, who, where does he actually sit? And I think everyone has an opinion. And I think everyone, particularly the conclusion of his AEW run has led everyone to think it was, um, now the latter, but following his Colt Cabana podcast, when he left WWE, I think everyone looked at him as that martyr who mm. did everything he could to, to make it work. But, you know, evil Vince, evil corporation, evil um, WWE, they they stifled his creativity. They didn't help him, didn't nurture him. And, you know, he, he became, as I said, the, the martyr. But um, 
but yeah, it's it's almost like you know I don't know. You just I always imagine him coming home and AJ like what happened, and he's like, you're not going to believe what they did, and it's well, like no, what, really what them again. Yeah, what happened <laughs> this time? And it's like really, it's them again. Like the the man what got the you again. <laughs> like, is there anyone around him that can just say, dude, what are you doing? You know, but I don't know. I guess that kind of kind of leads a little bit into kind of next question I really has like where where do we feel like this you know things really went off the rails I mean you could point to you know so many things along this path that where you go all right that's the moment where it really went bad or that's the moment where it really went bad but kind of where you know is it a case of you know the way um he wasn't handled well enough by Tony Khan or other wrestlers didn't really interact with him well enough or he didn't interact with them well like or you know even going back as far as you know was there was there a thing with Colt Cabana should there should that have been squashed before he came even joined the company to make sure that there wasn't anything funny there because Colt Cabana was all over the AEW TV and then kind of disappeared once Punk turned up so you know did it kick off from then because then other wrestlers looked at looked at that and went well Colts really liked around a locker room and this guy's just turned up and now he's vanished like well, what's what's going on there so yeah where, where do where do we think it kind of started to go wrong Imran your thoughts on that uh I guess we everything could that that we as again as, as viewers I think everything could be traced back to Hangman uh, he cut a promo in the ring uh, when their match had been announced with Hangman as champion and he's now got to defend the title against Punk. He cut a promo, uh, quite a scathing one, before their face-to-face one. Then they had their face-to-face one, I believe, the week after, the one that's been dubbed, um, the one that's been dubbed the Working Man's promo, mm. um, where he you know, delivers some fairly scathing lines about, I, I want to save AEW from you. Um, and I think ultimately that was the catalyst that we saw. Um, but I mean, I think, I think following that promo, I think punk had every reason to, to be a bit mad about it. I don't know about that. And, you know, I think we're all going to say this quite a lot throughout. I don't know, you know, it's own, it's as a, you know, um, this has been reported or, you know, we weren't there sort of thing, but, I I think um, it could all come down to that. And I think Punk probably had every right to be mad about it. We don't know his input into Colt Cabana's situation. Mm-hmm. It, but, you know, Hangman is operating on the belief that this is what's happened. Um, so there must have been conversations backstage before Hangman's promo. Yeah. So he must have had something to say with confidence, this is what's happened. Mm-hmm. But... Tony seems to have done absolutely nothing about that. And I'm the thing with Punk that reframed him in my eyes, this goes back a few years, but it was just after he did the Colt Cabana podcast went following his WWE exit. And it just happened to coincide with uh, Austin doing a televised interview for the network with Hunter. And Hunter was a name that came up a lot in that interview. Mm-hmm. Uh, between Cabana and Punk. And so obviously they've said, well, we have to address this because this is, everyone's talking about it. And Hunter said, he said that really is to me, I thought it was, it was a fascinating kind of thing, but because I know people like this, 
Um, but Austin said, you know, what did, how did you find Punk to work with? And he said, Punk's a weird guy. And he goes, and I don't mean that in a negative, like a like I'm taking a shot at him, but yeah. I would turn up at the arena, you know, for a show. And then everyone comes up to me and says, Punk's pissed, Punk's pissed. So, okay. So Hunter's like, okay, let me go and find him. And he would say, hey, is everything okay? And Punk's like, yeah, it's fine. And it's like, oh, because I kind of hear that there's a problem. Is there anything you want to talk about? No. Okay. And it's kind of like, I can see there's a problem. I know there's a problem, but you're not telling me anything. So you, and you'd, that, rather, and, you'd rather just sit there and stew on whatever it is you've got. Exactly. And, and, it out. and if, you, if you take that into this hangman situation, what did Punk do? He didn't address the hangman situation. He waited. Hmm. He waited till he won the title. He waited till he was off injury. So he waited like six, seven months, and then he waited till he was in the ring with a mic in his hand, and then he gets to say, come out here, you're a coward, the apology has to be as loud as the disrespect. And it's like, are you so petty that you waited that long to raise <laughs> this as an issue? You didn't go to Tony, you didn't go to Hangman and say, is there a problem? Can we discuss this? No, you you waited in, and he's referred to himself as the locker room leader. He's referred to himself as you know the voice of reason, and he wants to help the company. This is, I think, he lost a lot of favor. Mm. Certainly with with me, he I, he was like, I thought, oh, you're a, you're a scumbag, you know. Like he, this is you tot- This is the definition of going into business for yourself. He yeah. went on live TV and did that and you know the thing is that he never really considered when he can when he does that when he does the press conference that we'll get to it doesn't shit on the evps and it doesn't shit on hangman it shits on tony yeah and tony let it go when hangman did it but hangman's at least made sense because he said it face to face in a promo to build for a match that was happening Mm -hmm. so hangman's wasn't as ridiculous but what Punk did was absurd and selfish in every way. And Tony has let that build. And he should have squashed it immediately when Hangman did it and said, look, you know, you run to your podcasts, you know, if that's what you need to do. If, but ideally, come to me, come to the wrestler, we'll arrange it. But if you want to go to Jericho's podcast, if you want to go to Chris Van Vliet, do that then. But don't mess with live TV because it's not your name and it's not your money. Yeah. But Tony did nothing to stop it. Then Punk has now free reign to behave in that petulant way. And I, you know, and that's where it's all seemingly gone wrong. Um, and it's just this lack of communication on his part. But how do you plan for that? How do you deal with someone that is a child in yeah, essence? Yeah, that's it. Well, you took the words out of my mouth. I was about, just about to say it's, it's basically a petulant child who, because that kind of behavior is learned, right? You, you, they get away yeah. with it once and then they'll do it again and again and again if, if they're not, you know, told not to do it or told to mm. behave or told, you know, this is wrong. So, um, yeah, it's a perfect description. Um Dan, your thoughts on uh, you know where this all kind of went off the rails and a bit sideways? Yeah, well, I mean, I think uh, as you've both covered, it, it was weird that the whole Col- Colt Cabana thing wasn't properly addressed or squashed before he joined AEW. So it felt like 
it, he immediately came in and created a division because there were those that obviously liked Colt and there was those that liked him. And, you know, absolutely as, as kind of a big child, he, he wants to be the center of attention. He wants people to look up to him. He wants people to listen to him. He wants to be, you know, the, the leader. And you can't really walk into... You know, AEW isn't Ring of Honor. It's not Impact Wrestling. It's not an indie. You know, there there are established, hard-worn talent already in those locker rooms. And I think he kind of came in expecting respect that he hadn't earned yet, you know. Um, So I think I always knew that he was going to ruffle some feathers and upset some people, but... Yeah, I, I I guess it was just like, you know, you, you've got the EVPs who have kind of, in a sense, you know, because they, they've they've almost formed that company, um, and I obviously, you know, I, I know Tony's at the head of it, but it it mm. kind of felt like he just sort of was like a wrecking ball. He came in there <laughs> and he he wanted this respect, he wanted this attention, and he wanted to just be you know, the, the, the center point. And a few people were like, yeah, no, uh, you know, I, <laughs> yeah, we're, we're not, we're not going to just kind of uh, step aside and let you be that person yet. And, and again, the whole Colt Cabana thing, I don't really, I don't really understand why Adam Page got as kind of animated and personal as he did, but that's not in character for him as a wrestler or as a person in real life. So mm. yeah, it, it felt like there was a, a lot of friction because there was not a void for him to step into. And I feel that, yeah, not having a, a dig at Tony, because it's not just Tony, but all, all the people at the top of the the business, the company could have really dealt with that better. Um, but essentially they kind of just, as kind of Imran said, you know, they didn't really deal with it. They, they sort of enabled him. And the more they, They've enabled him and allowed him to kind of get away with the kind of behavior that he's shown, uh, let alone, you know, we've, I'm not going to start spinning onto collision because I know we'll, we'll probably get there in a bit. But yeah, it, it, it did feel like, um, I don't think at AEW, I don't think that locker room was ready for CM Punk at the mm. point um, he kind of, kind of did what he did even though it, it did go pretty well to start off with so um yeah there, there's a lot of ego there and and some egos are always going to clash yeah yeah i think the thing i was most disappointed with is you know for someone with his his level of experience and you know a guy that's been on the biggest of stages and all that kind of stuff and when he came in was saying he wanted to help the younger talent, came in and immediately started working with Derby. And it was like, yeah, you know, he was like the first few times he wrestled, he was wrestling against not jobbers, but like some of the guys that are a bit lower down on the card and just obviously working out his own ring rust, but also helped to carry to some of them to some really good matches. And it, like, like you say, it started off really, really well. And I was kind of enjoying seeing this kind of old grizzled veteran punk kind of helping out the younger guys and helping, hopefully helping AEW to, you know, grow and establish itself, establish itself as a, you know, genuine competitor to to WWE. And 
Um, and he was saying all the right stuff. And yeah, like you say, it's, you know, the, the stuff of Colt was, I don't know. It, I was, I was just surprised that it wasn't either handled or squashed or figured out way before he came in. I, I I just feel like Tony got a bit too excited about, oh, I'm signing CM Punk rather than going, okay, what, you know, what are the things that could actually go wrong or, you know, how could this destabilize a locker room or, you know, whatever. Um, And yeah. And then when stuff started spiraling downhill, I mean, you know, this was going to be my next question. Like how, how did Tony actually handle this stuff or does it, does it feel like he's learned from any of this um, in terms of, you know, handling big name talent with big egos and stuff like that? Or do we feel like he's too busy being people's friends to actually be a bit more Vince-like and put the company ahead of, you know, the wrestlers' feelings and, and stuff like that? What do you think, Dan? <laughs> well, it, it's it's weird. I always think of Tony Khan. He's a bit more like Elon Musk or um, yeah. Steve Jobs than he yeah. is. Uh, a Vince McMahon style character. So I think he might have learned now uh, after, you know, what's happened in um, the last three or four months. He, I think he's finally got burnt to the point he, 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 he now realizes what he shouldn't, shouldn't have done. Um, but it, the, the, the thing he, he must know now is that all he did with punk was, he just enabled him more. He gave him more. He he just acquiesced, didn't he? He just gave him more rope to hang himself with. He just, you know, build, building an entire promotion around him and letting him be the, you know, the face and, and hold the, what is it? The, the real championship. And I don't know. It, it just, it, it just felt like he just poured oil and fire on, on the ego and just, just, it, and punk was just worse than he's probably ever been in his career because he's never had, um, yeah, it, it could have worked. I think, you know, when, you know, man, you mentioned that, you know, this is what punk wanted and, you know, you know, we, everyone was saying, you know, what he wanted in WWE and what he didn't get, you know, he, 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 he kind of ended up being the, the, the peak, peak John Cena of AEW, but that just... <laughs> wow, that, that would really burn him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it, did, it didn't work. It just made things... Uh, arguably, it made him even more um, unbearable and even more kind of, yeah, that, I mean, I know his uh, entrance music is cult of personality, but it's it's never been truer. It's like, it's, it's like he, he, he became in real life uh and an even more extreme version of uh, an in-ring character <laughs> which is just bizarre what do you reckon in mind do you reckon tk's learned a thing or two from this uh this debacle basically <laughs> um I, I don't know i mean i guess time will tell but i think i you know i think back to tony's kind of press conference when he announced cm punk was Ivetcom as all elite and he did it with the giddiness of a of a of a school child who is you know who has just been 
just got their, you know, picture taken with their wrestling hero, you know, and I understand that because he is that though. He is a wrestling, you know, encyclopedia. He knows everything. And he, this was a huge, huge win for AEW. But I think this is the kind of the, the, the thing where I, you know, you could ask Tony in that moment. And I think he would have said, I have no trepidation. This is going to be a roaring success. I'm not Vince. And we are not uh, the corporate evil machine that WWE is. We we like our wrestlers. We nurture talent. We want them to be individuals. But it's funny because as AEW progresses in so many ways, it's like when stuff happens, you then look at WWE and Vince and you go, oh, that's why they do that. <laughs> you know, because... <laughs> Yeah. because it's like you can imagine when hangman did his promo and then when punk did his response six months later vince knocks on tony's door and goes that's why i script promos bitch <laughs> <laughs> or, at the, or at the very least he would have, he would have dragged both of them into his office and they would have got yeah. a complete roast well, exactly so, yeah. Ex- yeah totally i mean this is tony's montreal i think this is that line in the sand where tony has to realize that you can't be the wrestlers friends you know sean and and brett took control of that montreal situation when they not where today or in the last 10 20 years absolutely would never happen with vince it's Mm. the 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 the, ultimately the lesson tony has to learn is a you can't be everyone's friend b no wrestler absolutely no talent should ever be bigger than the company And that sounds like you're keeping people down and putting people in their place. But when you give people the freedom to do this, this is what happens. You know, where. Go on, sorry. No, no, just to say that, you know, there are several lessons for Tony to learn. And I think that this is, this should be a massive um, turning point. But um, well, I'll let you go. I've got something else to say, but you can go ahead. I was just going to, I was just going to say about um, making wrestlers bigger than than the company. um, And the way things went down with collision as well. And yeah. I, I was always like, again, I've always been a huge punk fan. And even, even after the whole bust up with the bucks and all the rest of it, I was like, okay, it sounded like stupid, but it, it sounded like it was a bit of six, one, half a dozen, the other, they were goading him. He reacted badly. He should have reacted better or, or not reacted at all. Um, you know, I, I, I kind of gave him a probably wrongly. So, a bit more benefit of the doubt. And I was a bit like, okay, both parties could have behaved, could have behaved themselves a bit better in that situation. You know, take some time to call off, sort your shit out. Everyone be grown ups, and, you know, come back and be cool. But then when they were talking about him coming back for um, collision and there being this soft brand split, I was like, that was, that was when my alarm bells mm. really started ringing. So I was like, okay, I don't know how that, that's going to work because it, it just, Having, I mean, well, they've got a brand split in WWE, but it, I, that sort of thing just doesn't work for me. And then but because it was being done because, you know, Punk wasn't talking to the Bucks or the Bucks weren't talking to him. And da, da, da. it's like, well, then how do you manage pay-per-views? And, you know, what if people want to go from one show to the other? And, like, how does it all work with the crew and all that kind of stuff? I was just like, this just feels really, really wrong. And it felt like Tony was doing was moving heaven and earth for one guy who granted is a draw and probably arguably your biggest, most uh, well-known star. But that, I mean, that locker room cannot have been happy about 
any of that situation. And and then you started hearing about, you know, people like executives not being allowed to go to certain shows and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, which is like, I mean, yeah. Damn, man. That's, that's just damaging on all sorts of levels. And He barred them from the building. Yeah. Right? I mean, stuff, that's... How is like a that. wrestler allowed to do that? That's and it's, and it's And it's wild to me because at the end of the day, you know... Hopefully, AEW is going to be there while after. Well, Punk is now gone, but you know the company is going to be there long after Punk has gone. So allowing this guy to control and manipulate and dominate your decision making in such a huge way just felt so wrong to me. And and funny enough, wasn't sustainable. Um, but. Yeah. So what are you going to say, man? Go get to your point. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, just to say, follow on from what you said. So in the midst of punk being afforded every power, luxury, you know, I, and I was amazed when the elite re-signed because I thought coming into it, they yeah. were saying that they were going to go, you know, oh, excuse me, the contracts were coming up. And I thought, how could they possibly re-sign? Yeah. You know, but and amazingly enough, they they did. And that you know, it's important to note that they resigned while Punk was there, not when he had been terminated. So, yeah, I don't know what that's about. I have no idea how Tony swung that. But I, um, yeah. I, I, I thought about that because I, I genuinely thought they they would go. Um, and I, I wonder if they just kind of. Not to sound like magicians or anything like that, but I wonder if they just kind of thought, you know what, let's just bide our time. Let's just get a, a fat paycheck and bide our time because Punk's going to self-destruct at some point, um, which was proved to be right, right? And and even to you, to what you were saying, Imran, earlier about you know you were glad when he came back that you were still quite wary and were and thought that at some point he would self-destruct in some in some way. And I wonder if the the Bucks just kind of thought. Do you know what? This is our company. We kind of, it's not their company, but it's, it's our company. And, um, you know, we started this all off and, you know, this guy is going to self-destruct and he's going to be gone and we can, we can get back to the way things are. We just need to bide our time. I think, I wonder if that's what they thought genuinely. Cause yeah, the, the I'm way surprised the, cause there the, was no, Oh, sorry, go, go. Cause yeah, just, just from his behavior and the, and the way he, the way he carried on, it, it really did just feel like a matter of time before there was something else to happen to make things go sideways again. And yeah, and it turned out to be, to be true, but. Uh. Yeah. Well, I would say one more thing before like, obviously I, I've monopolized and Dan should say something. Um, well, I'm sorry, chomping at the bit, but like, um, uh, it's just for them to have re-signed and again the stuff that we we obviously the bit we don't know but mm. it seemed a lot of loyalty on their part when they had received very little in return from tony mm. and obviously we don't know etc cetera, etc cetera, but i i don't see how tony did anything for them mm. during that situation um and and they were they were treated really really badly and I, and this is something tony has to contend with i think because you know the company is only four years old, and despite having achieved monumental successes, um, there is even <laughs> it is funny when people do these make these comments because they they don't mean to, mm. but it, they they inadvertently put WWE significantly higher than AEW. So, like when in the press conference when 
um, Punk says, he mentions the EVPs and says, what have they done? And it was yeah. like, that's such a bizarre thing to it's say. Very like your top talent. You're, you're, absolutely. But and it's like, well, firstly, you're, what you're ultimately saying is, I was world champion and I competed at WrestleMania. So I'm up here. What have you done? It's like, well, I mean, they put eyes on Japan when there were none. Mm. You know, the company doesn't exist where you currently work, doesn't exist without them. And that's just a fact. Tony said that, you know, because if they had said no, he wouldn't have done it. Yeah. Because he's just a gazillionaire with a, a wrestling company that nobody would have signed to. Well, that's but all it, That's all punk's ego talking right there, right? Yeah. Like, it's, it's pure. And, and again, this is why his position at AEW was untenable for me because if that, if, if you're even partially think having thoughts like that, mm. then you're not going to, it's no wonder people, the many people in the locker room that don't, that don't like you because they, I'm sure there were, there were a lot of uh, the guys there looking at punk before they, whether they knew him or not thinking, I bet you that guy thinks he's better than us. I bet you this guy who's, was top of WWE talent, thinks I were a bunch of indie darlings and blah, blah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Even though he came from the indies himself, I'm sure there would have been a lot of them thinking that. So, hmm. Sorry, Dan. <laughs> <We've>, uh, <laughs> not, not heard word from you. Heard word from you in quite a while. Um, My fault. Apologies. <laughs> blame you, Rand, for that. Um, so... What do we think? I mean, obviously, there's rumours knocking around about Punk possibly talking to WWE, um, about a possible return. Um, there's no way he's going back to UFC because he was rubbish in MMA. But, um, yeah, what do, you, what do you think about the future for Punk, Dan? What, what Do you think he's going to go back to WWE? Do you think he's going to last there? He's going to be all different now? He's going to have learned his ways? Or is he just going to go back and get into a massive fight with Hunter and get sacked in two weeks? Um, well, I, I don't think there's a chance he won't go back to WWE if he if he's given that opportunity. So I can I can see that happening. Um but the problem I have is even when um the whole uh the, the fight with the Bucks and Omega happened and you know he he was injured and, and essentially suspended there was ample opportunity for him to show some kind of humility, some kind of um, bridge building, some kind of apology. And it, I appreciate, you know, for legal reasons, they probably couldn't talk about what happened. But, you know, he, there were still opportunities for him to sort of say, look, you would have thought him and Tony would have said, look, if, if Tony would be like, if, if you're going to get collision if you're going to be the face of collision a whole new promotion that's that's semi dedicated to to you under your banner and control that he would say but before i give you that i want you to mend relationships with you know with the bucks with with kenny i want you to kind of sort things out so we don't have that division and acrimony but I don't feel like that ever happened. And the first promo that he cut when he was in the ring um, for Collision was again going after the the, the same people. It's mm. like he just didn't learn anything, yeah. and he didn't show any. Um, yeah, just just 
no growth as a person whatsoever. He just doubled down on being an asshole. And I feel like because of that, I don't believe he sees, you know, even after what's happened backstage with, with Tony and Jack Perry, I don't think he, he probably still doesn't see himself as the bad guy or in the wrong. You know, there, there's no contrition. There's no, you know. He sees himself as the victim. Exactly. He, he And that's the problem. And going into WWE, he's it's like he's Teflon. He's bulletproofed that part of his ego and personality. So he's going to walk into WWE still thinking he's the man. He should be treated the way he thinks he should be treated. He should get star billing. And I think that's going to be even harder in WWE because, you know, you, you, you can argue that even if you, you know, the in-ring, you know, the, the the general quality of the wrestling itself, you know, there's there's a hell of a lot more wrestling in AEW than there is in WWE. WWE is all about storylines, personalities, and ego. It's all, it, it it's a different promotion. And yes, he was part of it, but before. But I feel like he's. It's going to be Groundhog Day. I think he will self destruct and flame out even quicker than he did. In AEW, and, and and I think he knows it. I don't think he's stupid either. I think he'll go, just take as much money as he uh, as he can, um, but and then just know that eventually he's gonna he's gonna come up against Hunter and and, and clash heads with someone, and something's gonna happen. But WWE just know that you know the amount of headlines this guy garners, the amount of stories, the amount of attention that. It doesn't mean anything to them. They, they they can throw some money his way. They can get, you know, they can get a lot of viewing figures and eyes on um, their promotion through Punk for for as long as it lasts. And they'll just ride that out because I feel like a lot of wrestlers are, are more disposable in WWE. They're used to that. They're yeah. used to people coming and going. You know, they've been off, you know, 20 wrestlers at a time frequently now. So... Yeah. I feel like as long as he knows that that's the likelihood of what's going to happen and he just kind of rides that through, I don't feel like it's going to be any better um, if he goes back to WWE. In fact, I think it's going to be worse. Yeah. How about you, Imran? Do you think uh, the future of Phil, you're going to cheer him when he uh, turns up on Raw well, SmackDown? It's really interesting what what Dan said because I've I was looking at that from the other perspective. So I th- I completely agree with everything you said, um, Dan. Like particularly, I don't think this situation has humbled him at all. I don't think he's going to go into WWE with hat in hand. Like, have you got anything for me? You know, I'll do whatever sort of thing. I think he's going to go in and we all know what he wants. We all know, everyone knows what he wants. If you've ever heard him talk, you know, in a... um, It's his mania match. He wants his mania main event. Absolutely. And, you know, he's always, I think if I remember correctly, he's had two mania matches that were dubbed part of the double main event. Yeah. And he has been very public in saying, there's only one main event. 
and it's the match that goes on last. You can say you've got a double main event. Jeez, WWE had a pay-per-view recently where they said they got four matches, four main events. Calm down. And it was like, that's not a thing. I have a question, though, to interrupt you real quick. How does that work Hmm. if you've got two nights of WrestleMania, which is the main event? Sunday's the main event. Roman always gets the Sunday, and Punk (laughs) will know that. And that's the thing. If you're going to negotiate... Hunter will give him a Saturday. (laughs) Yeah, but see, he... It'd be interesting because I don't think that will appease him. Mm. But it depends on who's who's coming to this conversation with desperation and who's keen to make it work. So is Punk keen and like, oh, sure, I'll take it because I've got no other options to wrestle as such. Mm. Or is WWE like, we're keen to get you and we'll do whatever we need. But WrestleMania 40 currently is Rock Roman, and Rock's not going to budge, nor should he. That's your Sunday main event. So you would have to plan for Punk WrestleMania 41 Hmm. Sunday main event. But he currently has two world champions that have publicly said, I want nothing to do with him, and I don't want to work with him. And also, by the time uh, 41 rolls around, he'll be... How old is he now? He's 40... Um, quickly trying to Google it without. Yeah, I'm trying to think as well. He's, he's 44 yeah, he's... now, so he'll be 46 yeah. by WrestleMania. Four, um, mm. uh, he's actually he's turning 45 this year, so he'd be pushing. Yeah, 47. Yeah. So I mean, I, I mean, I mean, rocks. How old is Rock? Rocks like in his 50s now, so it's not. Yeah, but, not... but Rock, you're talking about one match. Yeah, yeah, that's true. You know, that's true. his last ones a few years, and Punk would, in theory be on a full-time basis and he's you know gosh he just over a year in AEW he's had two quite severe injuries, injuries yeah. so um I you know but let me can I flip the question for you Teed so like if you let's say you're in the WWE you're in the you're in the sole authority about bringing Punk in yeah. what's your perspective a considering your locker room are you gonna say yeah let's do it or no i just don't think we have we, we've got a good harmonious locker room right now you're just gonna mess it up or and how do you mitigate how do you uh kind of what's the word I'm looking for like bring him in in a way that and i don't mean from a story perspective but how do you try and pacify this because i think it will if you if without steps it's gonna go wrong I guess, uh, I mean, for me, it's a tricky one, obviously. Um, but there's so many different factors to it. It's, you know, one, WWE is making money hand over fist at the moment. So, you know, in terms of um, being a draw or anything like that, their their viewing figures are pretty good on a week-by-week basis. Their pay-per-views are selling really well you know, all that kind of stuff. So they're they're making money hand over fist. So they don't really need to bring in anyone that's a draw, unlike AEW, who are keen to bring in people who will draw eyeballs to the TV shows each week. So that's something that is is not a problem. The the thing that I think, it depends on your mentality as a WWE executive, because if you're like, oh, we want to get Punk in, uh, back from AEW and show that we can control this guy that they lost control of, um, or we can, you know, we can do something with this guy that they weren't able to do something with. All of the all of the punk fans that uh, were drawn to AEW when he came, when he went back will now be drawn to us. 
So, I mean, there's there's that element of it. And, it, and to me, that's that reeks of a little bit of pettiness. But then, you know, everyone seems to be petty in wrestling these days anyway. So, um, but... Yes, I think that side of it, I'm I'm not overly concerned about. I think the, the biggest concern for me would be, like to your point, like a harmonious having a harmonious locker room, not upsetting the apple cart. You know, if if Seth's comments about um, CM Punk were legit and they sounded legit when he said them, mm, um, I would be really concerned because he's Mister WWE as much as Roman is the the big draw. Seth is the pom-pom waving cheerleader, Mr. WWE through and through, um, you know, literally carried the company in his back so much that his back is now injured. Um, <laughs> so so I would, I would, I would be reticent to bring in a punk, even if, you know, we said to Seth, okay, yeah, we're going to bring in punk, but we're going to keep him on SmackDown and you're going to be still be Mr. Raw and you're going to be separated. Like, even then, I'd, I'd be wary of doing that sort of stuff because we saw how that worked out with AEW already, right? So, yeah, I think if it, if it was going to... Because I think AJ Styles as well has said, has said um, had words to say about Punk as well, that he didn't want to work with him or something. Uh-huh. So, I, I, for me, it's like the guy's 44 years old. He's had a couple of major injuries. Like, that, that's the other thing as well. It's like, you know, if I sign this guy to a big money contract and I get, like three six months six uh, if i get like six months of work out of him put a title on him and then he gets injured like that's just gonna absolutely scuff of things and also if i'm looking down my card i've got people like bron breaker coming through Ilya dragunov um carmelo haynes like there's loads of young talent coming up through the ranks from like nxt and all that kind of stuff those are the people that i'll be thinking you know what these are the guys i want to you know that are doing really well great talents and that's kind of where the future of the company is going to be. So you bring in Punk, you get, what, a couple of couple of decent years out of him, if you're lucky, without him getting injured. You don't really need the TV ratings. You don't really need the money that he potentially would bring in. So I kind of think, for the sake of not destabilising my locker room, I don't, I don't know that he'd be that great a return on investment. I mean, it'll get some headlines going and it'll be a bit of a fuck you to AEW. But again, if you want to be petty, then yeah, that's the way to go. But But, but TJ, seriously, you're you're trying to apply logic to a company (laughs) with Vince McMahon in it. (laughs) Exactly. This is, this is, that was my initial (laughs) caveat of, you know, depending on how petty you want to be, then sure. Um, But even Vince, you know, yeah, I don't know. Again, like to your point, if you bring him in, then it's going to have to be under some strict um, rule set of, you know, you can't say this, you can't do that, you can't, you, you know, don't look at Seth, don't <laughs> don't talk to AJ <laughs> uh, at all. Like, it's, it's, you're going to have a strict set of rules for him. And that's the kind of stuff that will frustrate him and make him want to rebel. And eventually he'll just snap and do something stupid or get into a ruckus with someone in the backstage or say something outlandish on the mic. And uh, yeah, I just don't know if he can be trusted. And especially when, you know, lepers don't change their spots, especially when they're older. So, you know, he's, he's clearly shown that he, he, 
either can't or doesn't want to learn from his mistakes. And as someone who is supposed to be an experienced guy and wants to be a locker room leader, you you don't act like it, quite frankly, or you haven't acted like it in the last few years. So, yeah. Nah. But I, I can I can honestly see Vince and Hunter just using him, literally just saying, okay, how can we you know, extract what we want. We we can get the pop yeah. at Survivor Series or Royal Rumble. We can we can put him in a few matches, um, and then just inevitably bin him off, sack him off when we want. Yeah. I, I, I it just wouldn't surprise me that that they would uh, almost. I'm not saying take revenge on him for what happened hmm. before he left, but I just you know that. There's so much ego there that, that it feels like ego begets ego, doesn't it? Ego recognizes ego, maybe, is is the right word. Game recognizes game. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And I think, you know, they, they probably know what they're going to get from yeah, him. And they, sure. and they probably believe... And he knows what he's going to get with them as well. You know, yeah. it's, it's that level of familiarity, right? Yeah, exactly. What, what about you, Dan? That if you were in sole, you know, creative control, you were in sole, and, and I'm not talking about necessarily what stories or anything like that. But do you, like as he said, he wouldn't necessarily feel that there was, you know, it's not necessarily worth it, and you wouldn't get as much out of him. But if you were in control, you know, do you think there's money to be made and? you know, WWE are now accountable to a higher order of, you know, deliver, deliver now. So do you, would you say, yeah, there's, there's something to be had there. There are a couple of dream matches to be had, a couple of amazing moments to be had. Would you, would you progress with that? Um, are there any initial steps that you would say, look, you're never going to be world champion or whatever it is. How would you address it? If it was you personally in that situation? Yeah. I mean, I think, it's difficult to see where they would, you know, creatively where they would put him. What what would mm. be the angle? What would be the program they would set up for him? Because, you know, at the moment that they're struggling to work out what they're doing with Cody Rhodes, which is the last, you know, big AEW uh, acquisition switch. So I'm like, I don't, you know, you're saying that, that he he wants his mania main event i mean yeah maybe on the the, the saturday you know the, the first day they could give him something but it, it it's difficult to sort of know knowing the the structure knowing the the guys coming through know, knowing who they are pushing and seem to want to push you can kind of see trajectories at the moment for for several key wrestlers and it's like well i i don't know how CM Punk fits into any of that um if okay if I if I was looking after creative I I would may maybe let him you know I think it would be fun if they let him run a faction so if they they did you know like the straight edge society mm-hmm. if they they tried to do something that was um along the lines of judgment uh what are they called judgment day Arnie, Never get that wrong again. They're the greatest. <laughs> Judgment Day. Yeah, I adore them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, if if it was that or the bloodline, I mean, he he could potentially, 
you know, bring up a few wrestlers into a faction and and do something quite cool because, you know, I, I guess from a point of view, if, if we look at um, Bray Wyatt, they were, you know, apparently angling towards giving, you know, on, upon his kind of comeback that they were building to, they were going to be giving him a faction. So I feel like... Um, uh, yeah, it, there might be something logically there that where they can position him as like a, a figurehead. But mm-hmm. in terms of making him a champion or, or, or a star in his own right, a, a singles run where he he's going to demand that level of limelight. I just if I was running creative, I just wouldn't do it. There's there's no there's no place for him in that. He he. He he needs to be part of something, and he needs to be running something, and he needs to be sort of at the the forefront of something, but not not solo. I I don't see that at all. That's a, that's a good point. I, I hadn't even really thought about that actually. Him as a head of a faction of um, I don't know. Maybe if they broke up the bloodline or something like that, and then Paul Heyman wanted to like a, a group mm-hmm. of Paul Heyman's guys in inverted commas. Like him, Bron Breaker, and someone else new from NXT or something, yeah, that's good something point. along those lines. That could, that yeah. could potentially work uh, as a leader of a faction. Actually, I hadn't, hadn't thought about that, but that's not a bad shout. I think I think it could it could work. I mean, NXT, some NXT call ups would probably mm. be better because you wouldn't have so much baggage there. Yeah, is getting him in a program with some of the. Well, a lot of the veterans on WWE, they're, they're all going to have opinions on him and some will probably like him, but a lot are going to, you know, quite vocally despise the guy. So, mm. yeah, it, 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 if he can be put somewhere where he can bring up new talent or emerging talent, that, that would work. But I don't think he would allow that. I think it's too much. Everything's about him. And mm. I feel like he might initially be happy doing that but you know AEW let, let's face it I mean he he even when he he didn't have a belt he had a fake version of the belt because he never lost the belt when um before he he went back to collision so it feels like he's still at the point where he thinks he should be champion and and that's not gonna that's just not gonna work with WWE in my opinion yeah because Roman's never not being champion <laughs> Ever. Ever. <laughs> cool. Um any final thoughts, uh, Imran, on uh Mr. Brooks? Um well I just thought a final question if I may to, yeah. to you guys as well. It's just about uh, which is the final thought for me, but like is what just what's what's Punk's legacy to you guys? You know, uh, his pro wrestling legacy and his his legacy in AEW. What how do you uh, kind of regard it. I mean, I, I, I indicated earlier. I, I, I do unfortunately put him in that category of just a self-destructive narcissist. And you know, to his credit, uh, I, I don't think he accepts blame. Not because I don't believe he's a liar in any way. You know, I don't. I, I think he, he feels he is a principled person. However he needs that stop and look in the mirror moment of, wait a minute, everyone's wrong all the time. Mm. I've done nothing (laughs) wrong. Like that can't be right. You know, I think when you go through ring of honor, 
WWE, uh, AEW twice, you know, it's kind of like, really, it's all of these people that are out to get you. All of them are, you know, <laughs> completely wrong. So he needs that moment of, wait a minute. Self-awareness. Self-awareness. That's exactly right. Um, but um, I, I think he is a principal person. And um, yeah. again, that first year in AEW, from a viewer perspective, we don't know what was going on backstage, but um I just think uh, it was just picture perfect as it could have been, mm. you know, massively well-received match with Derby, um, you know, well-received program with um, uh, Eddie Kingston, which again, go back and listen to oh, that promo yeah. that they had. If you watch it now, a whole new context yeah. to it. Um, <laughs> I arguably the MJF feud, probably the h- h- most highly yeah. regarded rivalry AEW have ever had um, two title wins, and you know it's as, it was perfect. Hmm. It was you know just picture perfect for him, but um, it just you know it went the way it did. So I, I do look at him as that self destructive narcissist. But I, just as a final point about his sort of legacy, I, I I do attribute a lot of how fans consume wrestling now down to him. Yeah. I think um, what that he started with that pipe bomb. He, I think he introduced this mindset to to, to, to to fans of saying, just because they tell you to cheer this person doesn't actually mean you have to. Mm. Just because they're going to put this person in the main event at WrestleMania, that doesn't mean that you have to accept it. You can say no, <laughs> you know, and I think his perception of why does this guy get a main event slot when I'm here every week and this person's off making movies for an entire year and they've got a main event slot at WrestleMania as opposed to me. And I, I think he really did a hair cover lot in making fans question the product and like, wait a minute, but we can cheer and we can not cheer and we can boo. And I think his philosophy's destroyed Roman's first five years as a solo Probably, star. Yeah. But that, that I, really I, pulled I, back I think, the curtain of a lot of yes. um, what was... Being, and I think in a great way. Yeah, no, in a great, yeah, great in a, way. Yeah, in a in a in a way, you're right. That had never never been truly done before in such an explicit way, and especially mm. the fact that WWE allowed it to happen as well. Like, yeah. um, it was yeah, it was lightning in a bottle in that one. It was. Instance. He had some great face to face promos following that yeah, with, Hunter with Hunter and yeah. Vince and John Cena for several weeks during that program, that rivalry. And it's the most engaging just from a promo perspective. The things he said and that was know, the build the, to his match against Cena at uh, yeah, and afterwards uh, Money in the as bank, well. Wasn't it? That's yeah, right, yeah. Twenty eleven. Yeah, yeah. Which again was a just a brilliant situation it was one of those it's a great yeah it's a great match but everything about the promo going into it because he's he legitimately wasn't gonna resign Mm. because he was unhappy and he felt he deserved to be in the main event but it wasn't happening and then they just basically said tell us put you know gave him a live mic and said say what you want to say and he hadn't signed and it was this logic of this guy could win the championship and not would not sign with the company and leave with the belt. It was just shit it was genius. Got, shit suddenly got really real. <laughs> yeah. It, it, and they just sort of saw in that moment, right at the end, this guy's really, really great. And uh, it was just a brilliant story. And I, if you just type in the promos, just great, great, great stuff. And I, I yeah, I think he just did um, just wonderful things in terms of 
our, our all perception of the business. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of things I've not been very complimentary about him during this conversation, but I, he, he was great. And uh, it's, it would be amazing if he came back, but I, I don't, as you both said, how do you make this work? And mm-hmm. I think that's probably the, the, there's probably a liberation in knowing it isn't going to work. So how do you maximize this for the, <laughs> for the short period that you can? That you can? How do you get something so, out of it? It's, yeah. I guess it's, yeah, I mean, in terms of his legacy, I think I think all the points that you've expressed there, I think, you know, that peeling back the, the, the curtain um, of, you know, what, what the industry is really about, um, I think that was quite the revelation. And I think just kind of, I don't know, I think... Controversies aside, like he was a damn good worker. He's, you know, he he was super super knowledgeable about the business as well. Um, if, if, if you go back and watch like the first few weeks of Collision, because he helped to produce a lot of that show, I think he didn't really get um, enough credit for what he did to get that show looking as good as it did in those for those first few weeks right. from a production standpoint. Um, and that in itself, I, I, I thought was super impressive. Um, but yeah, just a great mind for the business. And it's just, it's, it is such a shame that his ego has, cause it, you know, if he could have gotten over himself, he could have taken AEW and AEW could have taken him to, to incredible heights. I think, yeah. um, you know, he could have been there, John Cena, um, and could have really have pushed, uh, the company forward and you know made him a load of money made himself a load of money but you know wasn't to be and I, th- I think I still think his troubles at WWE everything that's happened at AEW I think has, has maybe changed my perspective of some of the things that he probably went through at WWE I don't think it was because you know I think originally I probably thought it was 99% them and 1% yeah. him. Whereas now, you know, I still think it was predominantly the way WWE um, handled him, um, and especially in terms of handling him poorly, um, whether it's booking or whether it's just his general well-being. Because, like, hearing about all the health issues that he had when he was there and and that sort of stuff, that, that definitely sounds like it was a lot of uh, stuff was on them. But, um, but yeah, I think... You know, like you say, self-destructive, unable to get over his own ego. I think that's been blatantly laid bare um, over the last, you know, few months uh, at AEW, and um, yeah, it just it just leaves a little bit of a little bit of a bad taste in the mouth. I mean, yeah, it's it's, it's I think his legacy to me is um, unfulfilled promises. I think. Um, incredible talent, but just and could have been could and should have been so much more, um, and ultimately hasn't been or won't be. Maybe I don't know. Depends if you guys are, so if you guys are to WWE and tears it up and makes a truckload of money, then you'll be proven wrong, I guess. But mm. but yeah. What about you, Dan? What do you think of what's your what's CM Punk's legacy for you? Well, I, I think when I when I first started watching him in WWE it was it it was interesting to see a, a really proficient technical wrestler who who had a more kind of uh traditional 
you know, indie style that at that point, you know, WWE wasn't about that. It was, it was about, you know, it was about the Cena's, you know, the, the Orton's, the Rocks, the Stone Colds. It, it wasn't about wrestling as much. So it, it was interesting at that time to see someone like that who was, at least for a while, you know, he was quite prominent. You know, he, he held the belt. Um, he was kind of, the, you know, the main guy. And that and that was kind of unique to me, at least, because I I'd kind of I was dipping in and out. But I was like, mm. this is really cool. And I and I kind of, you know, Iman's already put it beautifully, how he kind of redefined some of the, you know, the um, he brought down some of the walls. He redefined what, what an audience can do. In fact, you've both you've both said that he 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 kind of you know questioned the the whole role of a um, face or a heel and and who you should be shouting for and how you buy into the storylines and the pushes and 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 the whole kind of creative and kind of you know he, he really did inspire people to kind of inspire the fans to make up their own opinions and. I don't think that the likes of, you know, you remember when uh, it was Daniel Bryan in in WWE and they had to, you know, the management had to listen to how the fans were reacting to him and how how over he was. And I feel like that's become a thing where before Vince McMahon would just shit all over the fans as often and as he could, but they're... You know, I think CM Punk kind of allowed has a legacy of 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 forcing the management in wrestling to actually look at the response, look at what's happening. Even even if you know, don't maybe pander to the fans, um, it, it feels like he was part of that evolution of you know you, you've got to listen to your audience, you've got to see where the the wind of change and and the the popularity and who the cheering the booing what what's happening be more responsive to that so mm-hmm. I think that definitely plays into the good parts of his of his legacy um, but yeah I, I was so gutted about what happened in in AEW I really thought it was going to be the perfect opportunity for him and it, and it really should have been he he had everything on a plate. Um, there was no reason for him to fuck that up. Um, so yeah, it's, um, I'm definitely going to be, you know, at one point inspired by the guy. Um, but to an even larger point, really disappointed in, in, in what he's done and, and kind of let down. I don't even think, you know, some of his matches in AEW were good, but I don't even feel like he 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 quite got to the level um, that I think he's capable of. So he didn't really fulfil any of the promise in AEW on any level. He wow, he got harsh. he got close to it. Don't get me wrong; I'm not saying he didn't have. I'd say um, only the MJF dog collar match was probably the the peak of how good he yeah, got. That's a good um, call. I think but I I don't feel there'll be an MJF without Punk. Yeah, um, I think it was, it was also remember like he was injured for, <laughs> for so much, so he, he was either uh, working off the ring rust when he first came back, yeah, uh, recovering from injury after the first injury, 
or working off the ring rust after coming off a second injury. <laughs> so like, <laughs> yeah. so like literally his, the, his whole run AEW was either working, off, well, at some stage, working off ring rust, either from coming back from being off for seven years or just from being injured. Yeah, that, that's a that's a <laughs> that's a very good point. I feel like I'm being harsh now, but yeah, he, <laughs> but he's only got himself to blame really because he, if he'd stayed around longer, we would have seen more of his you know in ring talent. But I don't know. I, I think the, the matches with uh, Joe were were pretty good as well. But yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, cool. All right. Um... I think that's that's about it. That's, uh, I think that's all we, we can really cover on. Mr. Brooks, we'll see if he turns up uh, in, I think, Survivor Series in Chicago, isn't it? So yeah, maybe if talks go well, we might see him there. Are you, are you guys going to cheer for him if he comes back? Going to sing along to Cult of Personality? <laughs> <laughs> no, I will relish in the, the shock of it. And just um, even if it, they announce it, I will, you know, it would be like, oh my gosh, I can't. Would Again, you... I can't believe it till I see it. But here's I... a quick question: mm. Would you start to tune in on a relatively regular basis if they brought Punk back in to um, and forgetting about the Rock um, issue? If they brought him back in, back at the top of the card and lined him up to feud with Roman for the next six months. Would that entice you to... Because I don't think both of you don't watch the weekly shows regularly, do you? I don't know if you do. I, I go straight to YouTube the next okay, day yeah, and watch cool. the WWE channel, <laughs> like you, their uploads, so I can get would, through it fairly quickly. Or sometimes if you've got a good show, about 30-odd minutes, but yeah. Um, yeah. But would that entice you to... Would that pique your interest if he was brought in at the top? For me, Roman? If if he were to be the one to beat Roman, I think that that would be a a bad move, a Absolutely. bad. Call. <laughs> um, but I'm happy for him to have the match, you know. To that, I I think they'd have a great rivalry. I think it'd be really good matches. I think the promos would be great. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd thoroughly, you know. God, uh, this I'd, this I'd version of Roman it, but... having a promo about with Punk that would be really interesting, actually. It would, yeah, it, it would get very personal as well. Um, I think it would be great. Uh, there's a, I think there's a lot of great stuff for Punk to do, but again, how do you, yeah. you know, as we said, not to rehash everything we've already said, but but yeah, no, I'd, I'd be enthusiastic about it. I'd like to see it. How about you, Dan? Yeah, I mean, I think so. Um, I mean, I, I do watch, you know, I watch SmackDown some weeks but if if he feuded with Roman and as we kind of discussed it it feels like you know because the bloodline well for start the the bloodline as a whole is still more than one wrestler you know they are still a faction of a number of wrestlers who keep um teaming up with judgment day so it feels like um you know it uh he they they would have to at some point you know he's going to have to align with someone he can't uh, you know there, there's never a model in WWE or hasn't been for years where it's just going to be roman on his own uh versus anyone so yeah. he he would therefore have to create his own faction or at least sort of to find a friend he yeah he'd have to find a friend which is going to be him and Seth can do it 
Yeah, him and so could you imagine him and KO? I mean, that would be um... that'd be wild, actually. <laughs> that'd be pretty wild. That'd I don't think they're on good terms either. Oh, fucking hell, Phil. Jeez, <laughs> is there anyone that likes you? <laughs> is is he really not? What I, I haven't read anything about him and um, KO. I think um, Kevin many years ago detailed a situation of Punk screaming at him for something that he didn't feel was justified. But I, I don't think, I might be wrong, but I don't think they're particularly on, on and it's, terms. And it's ironic because I view KO very similarly to Punk in terms of his his mic work, his, his demeanour, his attitude, his ability to be face, heel, flip back and forth and do it relatively effortlessly and seamlessly. Um... The main difference being, though, KO just seems like a genuinely nice person and, like, super humble about the whole thing and just mm. loves his yeah. family and, you know, doesn't take any of this too seriously. And, you know, whereas Punk, not so much. <laughs> yeah, so true. Cool. All right. Um, I believe that is it. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Um, hope you enjoyed our little uh, chat about Mr. CM Punk. And maybe there's going to be a part to do, two to this when he comes back and destroys WWE from within. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> um, thank you for listening and uh, good night. <laughs>